Hello? Hello? Hello there. It's me here. Is it you there? I am definitely here. Can I confirm who I'm speaking to? It's me. Right. Hello, everybody. Another episode of Mouth of the Clyde, midweek news chat. I'm Ashley, and he's... Will. I am Will. listening, apparently. I'm listening. I am Will. See, I thought um, you were going to say my know, name. No, I was going to introduce yourself. Okay. Um, I but what I was going to say is like as usual, we've got loads of news for you. We're going to start local and move like national, international, the world space continued from distance. But we always do a wee random shit chat at the beginning. Um, and what, what I talked to you about just now, William, is I saw some trending topics on Twitter, and I wondered if we should like engage with the people and, and like talk about what's trending right now what's hot at the moment would you like to do that what, what is hot at the moment what's trending right now is the hashtag wwehof would you like to tell everybody why i'm assuming that you know uh, a hall of fame have there been another yeah. member is rvd been mentioned no i'm talking about uh, kane kane i i have not seen this actually You've not seen this? I know wrestling news that you don't know. I've been too busy doing research for this show. I have a historic moment on the podcast. I have wrestling news that William Brown does not know. If you've not seen, was... The Undertaker has announced to Kane that he will be the next inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2021. And it's a very emotional moment in the video. I have got wrestling news that Willie Brown does not know. <laughs> I did I did not know because I was too busy actually looking up at real news and not dealing with So was I my, with the, the love of my life wrestling. The the lady that'll never leave me professional <laughs> that's always right. there late See, night. I want to talk to you about another thing as well that's trending on Twitter. Have you seen the picture of the dude that bought the box of cinnamon toast crunch cereal and there were shrimp tails in it? What he alleges is shrimp tails. I have not. How do you get shrimp tails? Is this like that craft cheese slice thing? It might be like that. I don't know. I don't know if it is because I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and maybe like it could be like the sugar that's on the cinnamon toast crunch is like crystallised in a shape. Mm. Um, what I'll do is I'll put the picture of it on the mouth of the Clyde Instagram so everyone can see and see what your thoughts are on that. It does look very much like shrimp tooth. I'll share this image with you right now is what I'll do. Alright. Send it over. I'll send it like sending it. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and think it would be sugar but it does look suspiciously like shrimp tails. It does look something's fell in that does really look like shrimp tails actually. It worries me though because I, I obviously don't buy cinnamon toast crunch because I don't get it here unless it's an American section and it's expensive. But I buy the like sort of what is it the one I've got? I've got a box sitting next to my bed so I can check. Curiously cinnamon cereal. I love it. And it concerns me now I'm like, what if there's like ingredients in there that I shouldn't be eating because as you probably all know now that we don't eat uh, animals. We're annoying vegetarian people, so I'm concerned now that there might be shrimp in this. But Look, I think maybe not, because might... this, this guy's in America, and I, I know that yeah. Britain, because the EU has got like, stronger rules in this stuff, I know Americans don't really give a shit, like, like chicken and bleach and stuff like that. Yeah, you might be falling into it. I don't eat dime bars because they're made by Kraft, because I think that Kraft cheese could get in with the dime bar. Yeah, that's so, not a thing. It's a Kraft factory, we don't know what happens in there. So it might just be that. All right. All right. It doesn't um, look like a shrimp tail. 
if I can share with listeners as well that coming up on April 20th, which is like a month from now, it's going to be William Brown's birthday. Will I share her older or do you want to keep that secret? I'm going to be, it's still going to be a birthday in my 30s. A birthday in my 30s. Very, very late. Very, very, very late 30s. Um, But I I had, I made a cake yesterday for my cousin and and went up there and we were talking about your birthday party because Scarlett's very excited about your birthday. Um, and says to and she says to me, "Oh, Will can't know what his party's what's going to happen at his party, and he he can't know what his gifts are. He must be patient." And I just thought that was so funny. She's more excited than I am. Like all I'm I, she's really excited. Going. She seems to yeah. think the best gift for you is Star Wars pajamas. Do you do you feel that would be an acceptable gift for you? I do like Star Wars jammies, but we have to talk about jammy bottoms, though. We're talking about jammy bottoms. Yeah, like, I, I like jammy bottoms with pockets. Like, does she know this? Does this seven-year-old know about pockets to no pockets? I don't know if she knows about that, but see, speaking on that, don't you actually have a news story on, on jammy bottoms that we can get straight into our news? Yeah, I do. Tell Almost boys third... and girls about jammy bottoms. Let's start. Almost a third of people working from home from lockdown have wore jammies. Jammy bottoms are no trousers at all. One in ten admit to actually bother on putting on trousers. Well, this was done by YouGov. And they're saying that if they're sitting on a... 15% of the day is usually just playing video games if they're not getting caught or just watching the telly. So they're saying that if you're sitting on Zoom that you probably put on an okay upper half, but your lower half's just very relaxed. You know, I would pay tribute to this because we, one of our lecturers, and you're probably familiar with him because he's a very good broadcaster that's known across the country, Charles Fletcher, who you can hear on um, The Week in Hollywood, he, <clears throat> for every um, class that he teaches, he gets in a full suit, doesn't he? Full shirt, tie, everything, and dresses himself um, like proper, formally for classes. And we are all sitting there, like most of us are lying in our bed still when, when we're speaking to Charles. This man still has, he has brogues on, like he Aye. goes full hog. But he's a lovely man, so he is. A lovely, lovely man. It's nice to be one of the, the favourites. I'm a favourite. Everyone's favourite. <laughs> the, the nation's favourite. The nation's favourite, Willie Brown. Um, we're going to start straight off the bat with local news. Um, we're sort of expanding more horizons, because usually we do green up because that's where we live, and so it's easy for us to get sort of the papers to review in this area and to discuss the topics with you. But we've been fortunate enough today that our local shop is starting to stock papers from uh, Danoon, Argyllshire, Lockharbour, Oban. So we're sort of expanding more horizons a wee bit in the way of that. And there's actually some interesting bits going on that would affect everybody. So we're expanding as much as we can, sort of Clyde-wise. But if you know of any newspapers or things that we could get a hold of locally for areas you'd like to hear, so you can hear you already represented, you can tell us and we'll try and get a hold of them. It's just a wee bit harder. But we'll get started on the telly um, in which Willie Brown, the Greenock Health Centre, which has been there, since Queen Victoria was around or something that's been here for ages, is up for sale. Because uh, they're moving to Wellington Street, are they not? Uh, they're moving to the, um, what's it called thing about? The Dempster Street. The sm- <clears throat> Sorry, Dempster Street. The smelly, uh, smelly welly, I think. Aye. Uh, um, so it's up for sale um, for 20 million quid. No, the, the, sorry, the replacement, it was 20 million quid to do... Um, and the, the property specialists for the old health centre are, are Montague Evans. They're saying it is a prominent development opportunity close to the town centre near the waterfront. It's not. 
and well serviced by public transport. The building could be suitable for a range of uses, including offices, community or third sector uses. Also benefits from designation and never claimed local development plan for residential development. Destination indicates a capacity of 35 units, but this could increase. Um, the Duncan Street Hill Centre opened around 40 years ago and continues to be the base for several GPs. It makes me worried because, see, because of the amount of like drugs and stuff that I want, like, like prescribed drugs, I mean, um, they're kind of like weird ones and stuff and like, hard ones mm. to get. So I always go to the health centre because they've got a really like good stock of stuff. And that's mm. not my, my GP practice. I go to the Roxbury practice, but to walk somewhere so close and be able to get all my stuff. So when they shut, where am I going to go? By the way, it's, it's set to be closing in June. Um, this thing, it's built in 1978 and it's going to be shutting in June. The same place that they'll have a pharmacy in the welly, and that will just be right around the corner, and you can go oh, to but it's not the as convenient. It's just in the corner, and you can go to welly stores and see my good friend Baljinder Boparai. Oh, yeah. Um. Something I want to talk to you about has been going on locally. Is you've probably seen last week when we talked about. I think you brought it up last week, Brownie, that the HMS Queen Elizabeth was sailing down the Clyde. Is that the the big? Thing about the big, aye, um, aye, the big aircraft sort of, carrier, a big aircraft carrier sort of situation. What had happened was in Guruk on the clock road, a whole bunch of cars had parked on the side, like to watch the boat and take photos and all that sort of stuff. It was a, quite a nice day. It looks like there's a photo on the Telegraph you can see by George Monroe. Lovely wee photo, nice and sunny. A whole bunch of people just pulled over, having a wee look at this, and the pigs, the popo, have pulled over on the coastline and were doing spot checks um, to show that people were adhering to the lockdown ban and they're actually from this area. Uh, one local said in the Telegraph, there seemed to be some folk who had travelled in from out with the area. I saw one person who was apparently from East Kilbride being turned away. To look at a boat? To look at a boat, aye. Like, is it not, like, the biggest boat? I know that it's, in, it's aye, the it's biggest huge. boat in our... It was funny, because see, last week when it was on the Clyde, I think it was last Thursday or Friday it was there or something like that, we spoke about it last week anyway. Um, but the day that it was here, I had seen on Twitter... Um, that there was some some news outlet had tweeted HMS Queen Elizabeth on the Clyde uh, has came to you know Amberclyde or something like that, whatever it said, and somebody had replied to the tweet saying, "Why are members of the royal family getting to travel within a lockdown and stuff like that? I can't do that. Why should they?" Um, and I think it was Police Scotland that replied to him says, "Are you a hundred and eighty ton aircraft carrier?" <laughs> they thought the person obviously thought it was like the actual Queen Elizabeth and not the ship. That was I funny. Know. You look like a dick doing that. Aye, that's one tweet you wish you never put out. Um, <laughs> another wee thing, we've got a dose of celebrity in the tune here. See the formerly known James Watt College, West College Scotland, they call it now. Yeah. They they got um they got a, a wee sort of like a makeup artistry uh, session with uh, Linda J Pierce, like a virtual session, um, who done the sort of the hair and makeup things, makeup and hair designs for you know Bridgerton on Netflix. I never watched it. I know you were watching it. You really enjoyed I, it? I, I, well, I've not really enjoyed it. I watched one episode and I thought it was all right. There was a lot of intercourse in that and I just got a bit bored by it. Um, but one of the students spoke to the Telegraph, uh, Jackie Gillespie, Jackson, sorry, Jackson Gillespie, an HND student. It was great to hear what people like Linda and Mark had to say. Um, they were full of brilliant advice for us about the industry. Another student, Joy Tina Har, said it was a real thrill to meet the key players behind the hit. She said, I'm a huge fan of the series. I love the looks and the costumes. Another lady, Natalie Miller, said they were full of good advice about how to get jobs, giving us lots of good advice. Um, so that was set up by their lecturer, who's um, Isabel Donald, set up the, the wee lecture for them. Um, and it was Linda J. Pierce and Mark Pilcher from uh, Bridgerton on Netflix. So that was exciting for them. That's pretty awesome. That's a good kind of... I think like that are helpful at meeting somebody that's in the industry. Yeah. Like when Eric can tell you, do this, don't do this. Like, this is handy, this is not. Uh, definitely. 
Um, see how last week you were on Slag and uh, Martin, you were on Slag and but were gently ribbing Martin Compton. Um, yeah. There's a, a jacket up for auction in aid of our girl in hospice. Um, they're estimating it's going to get over ten thousand quid, and it's the the it's called a wrap jacket. Um, somebody a mystery bidder's already pledged the ten thousand quid for it. By the way, um, and it's it was donated by Martin Compton. This coat was that he wore when he was filming Line of Duty to um, raise raise money for it. Bids are still open until Saturday eight o'clock. If anybody wants to top the ten grand, but um, I. Martin will be buying it himself. Nobody likes him. He's Martin buying it. I. Uh, I do like Martin. It's a fun idea, and also that it is funny when he opens his mouth and the Scottish accent comes out because people think right. he's English. Don't expect him. People don't expect it at all. Um, the Inverclyde Council as well have launched a study aimed at encouraging more cycling and walking in Greenock Town Centre. Because as we spoke about a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, sorry, not a couple of years ago, fucking hell, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how they're trying to redo Westbrook Cottle Street and get it all done up and fancy and like sort of one of these like, sort of plaza situations. So it's nice for people to be in a tune. Um, the town and the Inverclyde Council are trying to get people to be in a tune, walking about and doing exercise and socialising and stuff like that when they're allowed to. Uh, Councillor Michael McCormick said, one of the few positive effects of the pandemic is the surge in popularity of walking, cycling and wheeling. It's important we capitalise on that by improving connections. To join the study, you can visit greenock.commonplace.is. Uh, but you can see it in the telly today if you want to get more information on that. But it's greenock.commonplace.is. Look, just cycling around the town. I have my right. bike. You have yours? I don't have mine anymore. Mine's at a caravan. Would you take it back if there. you want to go... I don't think I would because we live in the town centre. Like if I'm going to go out and I'm usually going to take my dog with me, so um, Max Newtown's going to come, so he doesn't really like sitting in the basket on my bike. I would just walk. <clears throat> he has been in the basket, which was quite... He has, um, um, I'm going to speak about something as well now. Like, I, I don't really want to say this person's name because he's a terrible human, but it, it was the man that's from Inverclyde that was sentenced to um, a life sentence for murdering Margaret, Margaret Fleming. Um, which I'm sure you're all aware of. What's happened is the lawyers acting for this man um, have been given more time and proceeds of a crime case to obtain a psychiatric assessment for this person. Um, the, the latest High Court hearing, the report still wasn't complete and the Lord Braid, who, who presided over it, arranged another procedural hearing that took place on April 26th. So, uh, like I said, I don't want to talk about this person, but I just want to include it because I know a lot of people in Inverclyde are interested in updates on it. Um. Do you think that took off more when it ended up with that Channel 5 show? Or was it BBC I, One? Well, I, that documentary definitely brought a lot of attention to it as well. Yeah. Um, but like in this area, it was like covered in the press for ages and ages. In this area, it was mm-hmm. one of these sort of like terrible local crimes. Well, I feel it's one of these things that will be on like sort of, you know, Sky documentaries of like all terrible crimes that you should know about things. Like, yeah. <clears throat> awful story. Um, speaking of that area of the world as well, Margaret, you know, lives in Wimbe Bay and stuff, but doing an Inverkip. A 50-strong group of yobs, the Italian for calling them, caused chaos at Inverkit Beach as they set fire to the bushes um, and disturbed the householders there. The police came and said that the young people had gathered harbourside on Thursday night in Inverkip. Um, additional patrols were put in place following the incident, and which is a clear breach of current COVID-19 restrictions. Chief Inspector Paul Cameron said, police received a number of reports regarding a group of youths gathered on the beach in Inverkip. Officers attended and found a number of youths who were dispersed. Further inquiries are ongoing, etc. And there's pictures from the scene that show a number of bushes alight near the, the sort of newish houses at front of Inverkip. Yeah. Um, and the Scottish Fire and Rescue attended to the flames. They were alerted to it, they said, at 6.28 on the Thursday of reports of bushes on fire at Harborside Inverkip. 
operations immediately mobilised, etc. I left the scene after ensuring that the area was made safe and ever kept residents of how over the incident, but it's just weighing forward on it and they're just trying to get back out again. Right. And this might be sort of off topic. Do you remember that time we were down the battery and we were walking past and there were hundreds of wings and the pole showed up and they let off a balloon so people to let other ones know not to come? That was smart though. Yeah. They're not daft. Um, also, I know it means a lot to some people, um, Jerry McHugh, who was a, a maths teacher at Notre Dame High School, uh, who had passed away last year. Um, I know a lot of people were uh, taught by him and, and loved him very much. It's now coming up to a year anniversary <clears throat> of when he passed away. Um, there's The school's got something going on uh, here that you can get involved in um, by going to the Notre Dame's Facebook page, like a sort of memorial um, sort of thing. So if you want to check that out, um, it's a uh, a mass which will be shown via a live stream from St Patrick's Church in sort of commemorations of um, Mr McHugh. So, I uh, it's on Notre Dame High School Facebook page if you'd like to see that. Did were you taught by him at all? Or? Um, I think I was, but I sort of blacked out that period of my life. But his face is definitely familiar. No. Um, another thing about the schools as well. We spoke last week or maybe a week before about how there was like extra funding given by the Scottish government to the Inverclyde Council when the budget was done. In February, so um, all the sort of primary one to primary three kids are going to get their school lunches for free, um, but they're going to expand that now in August of this year, so that P four five can get it, and then in twenty twenty two expand it so P sixes and sevens can get it by August of twenty twenty two. Um, Ross Greer of the Scottish Greens um, MSP for West Scotland said this is a huge step forward in closing the attainment gap between pupils from our most and least privileged communities. So I guess we land in the least. It's good that they're getting fed. That would be. That would I think be... school dinners should be free. Like, I would be happy if my council tax or whatever went up. Yeah. Wayne's like free school meals and stuff like because like that's a pressure on parents. Is like I remember mm-hmm. when I was wee, my mum and dad having to keep that money aside because sometimes you're just you've not got that cash. Like you're weighing the money every day, so it's a real pressure for some people. Like, but I, I, I imagine towards the end of the month and like you're really like short on cash, or whatever, or maybe the only money you've got is a credit card or something. And you need to go and look some money at a credit card and put yourself in a cash advance and all that sort of stuff, like just for yeah. getting some money for a school dinner. Like Wayne should get it for free, I think. See, I see a couple of years ago, my cousin was about to start and it was when they just opened that Inverclyde Academy. And so me and Bryce went for a wee tour to see what it was all like and all that. Um, and they were killing us in the canteen. <clears throat> what they were planning to do was have like, a credit card almost system where the families for the kids would top up the card at like, you know, a certain time of month and they would just go scan it at the, the wee thing so they'd like, be able to pay by card. I thought it was very like up to date. I don't know if that happened. I've never been to that school, oh, but when I had the tour, that, that was happening. That's what Shelby had was the card. And then you oh, do it like that or you lost the card and they'll look it up on the database. See, on that note, when I was a kid, I used to come home for my lunch because we didn't have that much money to, like that would like, I was taken away for lunch then back if you know what I mean. My dad always used to tell me that like, when he was yeah. a wee boy, his dad would work in the shipyards and that, and he used to work in Scots and stuff. And his dad would go pick them up from school and take them home for like, a tin of soup and that because they were just broke. Mm-hmm. But Bryce always like says that how I was like spoiled because my dad would give me a fiver at least every day for school. Aye, that's. I was two pound in primary school, <clears> then I went up to three four pound. I took five pounds when I went to work. Like for, I, but I needed five pounds because, like, especially when my brother started in school with me, because 
he would just get hundreds and hundreds of dinner because there's like three windows. One was for sandwiches, <laughs> one was for main hot meals, and one was for soup. And you would go to one of the windows, but Christopher thought he had to visit every single window. So he'd end up running up a debt with the, the lunch ladies. And I would go, to, like, he, he was younger than me, so he'd be in the first lot of lunches. And then I'd go an hour later and they'd be like, oh, your brother owes us like a pound seventy or something. So I'd need extra money to pay his debt because he ate so much. What about tuck shops? Did he get stuck in at a tuck shop too? Tuck shops constantly. If we went abroad, he would run up a tab at the bar or really poolside food and stuff. And whenever I went out to go to the ice cream van at night time, the guy would forever say to like my dad, my mum or me, oh, um, I Christopher Rose is like 50 quid. Getting tick off the ice Getting tick off the ice cream van. And it wasn't always for him. He would like, buy sweeties for all the ways in the street. That's just what he was like. like he didn't really like sort of put together, or oh, you need to pay for this stuff. He's like, well, you just ask John for it in the van, and you get it. Hi. Are, are they still tally vans out there? I'm so interested because we live in the West End. I the guy that uh, used to be like, drive an ice cream van up the Gibby. Like when I was we, he you know, drives because my granny stays in QB now, um, and he he drives the van round Hurry. I see him all the time. Still remembers us actually. See another one that we never got was a chippy van. That was something that I've I've only heard stories of. It goes to my granny's area, but I, I never had it in my area. I remember see like the caravan site. My mum's got her caravan on. My granny had a caravan on that site uh, years and years ago, early nineties sort of thing. And there used to be a chip van that would come there on the Friday nights. And we, I was so excited about it because I'd heard about it and heard about it. And one weekend I happened to be there when it was it came. And I was so excited to get this thing. So my granda took me, and I got my wee supper. They handed me it, and I looked inside it, and they had cooked frozen chips in it. It wasn't even like hand cut no. chips. I was so upset. It needs to be hand cut, mm, especially if you're terrible. in a chippy. Yeah. Right. When you go back to news, I've got hundreds of more stuff today. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so keeping in touch calls, um, it's a, a lifeline service delivered by Your Voice. It's called. They've received a grant of fifteen thousand pounds to help them um sort of reach out to those who are lonely, isolated, and vulnerable. Um, and the funding runs until June twenty twenty one. So that's really good. It's just it's sort of. Like just so they can like ring people in Inverclyde, say there's somebody here for you, and you know somebody to chat to and stuff like that. So it's really nice. Just a I know right phone call, all right. Um, and another another thing, Scottish Power has donated a whole bunch of laptops to West College Scotland, <clears throat> um, so so that Wayne's are doing their stuff online and whatever can mm. have access to it. Uh, the vice principal up at the college says the generous donation from Scottish Power has been very welcome, allowing us to support more students, particularly those with specific digital needs for their course. Because like we've experienced that, you know, like when we first started our course, we just didn't have the money available to be able to buy a computer, and like we were doing stuff on our phone, and you just can't do that. Like you need, yeah. you need a computer for a lot of things, and I can't imagine what it'd be like for like see these kids that are doing the like graphic design or something like that, where you need really strong like computer, like sort of powerful sort of things. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about computers, but I powerful things it's difficult. I would imagine like how they'd be able to do that. So it's taken away from like. For instance, if you were one of those people that was a paper and a pad kind of person, like there were no way that you could even go into college or uni this year at all. Like, I know everything is totally computer based. Um, I don't know if you had read up on this. If you're going to talk about it, uh, but a collection of posters from um James Bond film from Russia with Love, um, is is going to be sold at auction. It says they're valued at more than one hundred and seventy five thousand quid. And three posters for the original Star Wars trilogy will also go under the hammer with a guide price of two thousand to three thousand pounds. A poster for the nineteen seventy one film Le Mans has been valued at between one and two thousand pounds. In total, it's four hundred and ninety posters sold as part of the auction. Um, prop store as it's there, the prop store auction house. If you want to go in and buy a vintage poster, I'm seeing them now, but I the, the original artwork to those posters are beautiful though. 
Aye, they are cracked. They look good. Yeah. Um, there's a thing that some of you guys might be interested in as well. If he's a fun on a wee holiday, people embarked into holidays with far-flung destinations will be hit with higher taxes under the government's new plans. The Treasury is proposing to increase air passenger duty, APD for short, for flights to locations such as Australia, Japan, New Zealand and Thailand. Passengers flying from the UK to destinations beyond 2,000 miles are already hit with an £80 APD fee. Um, so it's going to add like extra money into that. So that's not good. It's not at all. I don't think I've ever been that far either. Um, moving on now to the Danun Observer, Nargelshire Standard, which is very nice. I like the font. So did you? Yeah, it was a crack me paper. Um, they're talking about their front page saying how for the second year in a row the Kill Games have been cancelled. Have you ever been to Kill Games? I have been to the Kill Games. I've been to the Kill Games several times over mm. the years. Um, they're talking about as well the you know the ferry Calmax. Mm. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed like because doing journalism when you, you get taught how to do the structure of news stories and just like from that point of view I enjoyed how they structured this the very first sentence the intro par. Both of the unreliable vessels are set to individually be in dry dock for the coming weeks for major refits, including new engines. So this is on the Kilmac Ferry thing, just referring to them as unreliable vessels right from the off. Um, so it's, um, so basically what it's saying is when travel restrictions ease on the 26th of April, uh, Danone Town Centre will, as things stand, be served by only one ferry. I always thought they were busy, but I guess not with the Danone thing. So you've never been to... To all no, those I've games never, at all. No, I've never been to kill games, no. Like, you don't pay in, like, you there's a guy that lives right beside it that lets you climb over a fence. Like, he would just go in. You do pay in, you do pay in, we don't, <laughs> we don't encourage that sort of behaviour. My sister won kill, but what, what else? Um, the, the gearing up of a staycation boom. I was trying to think how to word that there. Mm. Um, so because this, this paper covers a sort of a Gale and Butte sort of area, um, their Gale and Butte Council's Head of Economic Development told how that they're sort of planning for an influx of staycations during the summer, although specific destinations have yet to be identified. Um, and they've announced an £830,000 uh, fund to deliver benefits for staycations as part of its budget on, on 25th of February. Um, I think, like, because that, that area is going to include Loch Lomond and Trossachs National Park and stuff, so I would agree on that. And, like, from what I've heard of people, what we've been discussing in our house, if it is that we're allowed to do it somewhere, what we'd probably do is get, like, a, a like, hire a wee RV or something like that and then um, and go for a wee sort of Scotland-based holiday because I don't see us going anywhere far flung. All right. Do you want me to cover baby names now? Baby right. names? Yeah. What's that, the, like the trending baby names or something? Trending baby names in Scotland. Because oh, I, I know we're still in Scotland, please. so I thought I would have a wee look. Because they've just came out and what the top ten is. Mm-hmm. And like, what names have been registered in Scotland. Names that's been registered in Scotland this year, which have been a lot of superhero ones, like Cloud, Great Guru, it says. Merlin. Sailor. Who's Cloud? What's that from? Cloud is from Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, I passed a man. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Smokey, there've been forty-six new arrivals like of weird names. Yeah. But so the top ten are boys and girls' names. Because Billy's been up also. That's a seventy-nine percent for for Billy for, for girls? girls. Yeah. I so quite like I'll, Billy. I also like Billy. I think it's quite cute for a girl. 
So uh, like I thought a good one would maybe call it Billy, like as we tribute to you. No, that's that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> so the top ten girls' names is Isla, Olivia, Emily, Freya, Ava or Ava, Sophie, Ella, Grace, Emily and Lily. But I did some research also. There's something you didn't expect me to say. How many spelt your way? How many girls how many births have been called Ashley spelt your way in in Scotland this year? No, many I'd imagine. Forty seven. There were forty seven Ashleys. Ah, it's I'm not a very popular name. I don't even like it. Oh, I can go worse than that. How many yeah. Carols have been born? Right, let's move on. Um, you know how we like animal news? He's always enjoy yeah. animal news when we talk about that. A live stream of an osprey nest camera supported by the players of the People's Postcode Lottery has been switched on after a stellar 2020 season. Viewers of the nest at Woodland Trust Scotland's Loch Arcade Pine Forest in Loch Arbor saw parent ospreys Louis and Ela raise three chicks last year. George Anderson of the Woodland Trust Scotland said our Osprey Nest live stream found a huge audience last summer as people at home during lockdown crave contact with nature. The camera at Loch Arcade Pine Forest in Loch Arbor has been running since 2017. Um, in 2019, it attracted an audience of 60,000, but last year that showed up to nearly 400,000. That's massive. Yeah. They're very, I, very... I, I'm going to check out. I think I would like to see Ospreys. Yeah. They're very, very rare because doing a bit of research, they're only you. In the UK, there are only 200, 250 pairs of ospreys. Um, there's something else we've got as well that I think Will has done some research for us on. So this is the Le Carbor Times we're on now, and um, they're talking about uh, an issue with a train. The recent controversial overnight halt atop Glenfinnan Viaduct by a millionaire's classic diesel-electric hauled train was a one-off. Network Rail has informed MSP Kate Forbes Christened the West Highlander, the train hauled by two classic 37 diesel electric engine locomotives, which first entered the service in 1960, is operated by crew-based locomotive services. It is owned by multi-millionaire investment tycoon and one of Britain's biggest classic steam and diesel train owners, Jeremy Hosking. Um, basically, what this dude done was just decided to make himself a wee private hotel and tap with the fucking Glenfinnan viaduct and says, just, I'm going to stop here overnight because I'm a millionaire and do what I like. What's the story with this guy? He is... He was voted, not voted, he was ranked number 351 in Scottish Times, or the Sunday Times Rich List. He's a shareholder of Crystal Palace. He's And he's also a noted railway enthusiast. Uh, he's also a he, dickhead. He's a net worth of £375 million. But also, since we always like to talk about politics, he was a long-time, a long-time Conservative Party donor. And he donated one point seven million and he vote leave. And mm. now he he's ran also, but that didn't work out for him. And he's also made things into made pay after Theresa May, he's moved on to the Reclaim Party mm. and the Brexit Party. And he's put uh, massive donations into them too, of a million each. Um there's another weird thing as well. A new TV series is going to be on BBC Alba following the adventures of a real-life mermaid on the Isle of Lewis. Mental. A four-part series. I'm not going to try and pronounce the Gaelic name. I'm afraid I would just butcher it. But in English, it means mermaid tales. Um, Offers the ultimate escapism. You can see the, the quote-unquote mermaid. Her name is Kate McLeod. She's 24. 
Um, she puts on this big giant flipper thing, and I think she's like a little mermaid and just like fucks about the Hebrides and and like Isla Lewis and stuff like that. Wear mermaid tail on. It says she Kate explores the west coast of Lewis and nearby smaller islands by boat with her dad in this series and talks about knowledgeable islanders about the fascinating history on their own doorstep. She says, I have such a strong bond with the sea. I think a lot of islanders feel the same. There's something so special about the island and Scotland as a whole. So she's just mermaiding about. Yeah, that'd be very cold water also. I've never really watched BBC Alba, I might get into it. Uh, it's all Gaelic, it's a bit hard. I know, I might like that though, because um, Andrew from Membership enjoys hearing about Gaelic. He was learning how to do it, I think he can say some stuff. Can you say something Gaelic? I know Donny Murdo means Danger Mouse. Yeah. I think that's as far as I go with. Yeah. Okay, well, that's us uh, after sort of local papers. We're going to sort of mere national news now, just now. Um, and we're going to probably annoy you straight after that because we're going to talk about politics. Um, just very quickly, though, we've just got a wee quick story on it. Leslie Evans, who's the permanent secretary to the First Minister, um, is being supported now by the First Minister. She's standing by her, um, whose quote unquote individual failings were central to the unlawful investigation of Alex Salmond, which badly let down female complainers, according to a report by the inquiry. Um, there was calls for Leslie Evans to resign, um, but she's not done that. Um, obviously, we know this is about the Alex Salmon thing that's been going on. Um, the report from the inquiry says, uh, quote, the committee is conscious that the Permanent Secretary's Office was identified as coordinating the supply of information for judicial review um, and that the Permanent Secretary was one of those called on to uh, resign. But she is not. Uh, I, I, so I'm not going to go into that much more. I know you're all sick of it and we're sick of talking about it. We've been on and on it constantly lately, so we'll just move on to other stuff. But that's what's really going on with that. I think I'm going to talk a wee bit more. I've got another wee story in a minute, but like I'm not going to over days with the with this committee well, thing. We've been all over the place. I've got, and I think it's kind of sad actually. It's like it's not Scottish news. This happened in London. It's an English story, but it's a wee bit sad. There's this wee seal on a beach, and all the locals that loved him and stuff, and they because he was like a pure crowd pleaser and like performer and stuff like that, and would like sort of cheer people up. They called him Freddie after Freddie Mercury. Um, the locals had been like all used to him and stuff like that. He would lie like sunbathing on the beach and stuff like that. And then what happened is there was a local QC, Rebecca Sabin Clare, um, and her dog apparently savaged the wee seal, um, because the dog was off its lead. The wee thing. As the 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 photos of it and it's just grim. It says though as well, passersby struggled to pull the unleashed pet off the pup, which was later put down. It's a wee sin, I don't like it. Look, the idea of getting, what was put down? Was the doggy put down or was the... No, I the think the seal, the, the seal pup had get put down because of the extent of the injuries. That's why I don't like taking the dog off of we pretty much anywhere. Aye, like, I'm always worried about what's going to happen, yeah. Um. Another wee bit of politics news is something that really fucking annoys me, actually. It's ridiculous. Um, Anna Sarwar, who's like recently elected the Labour Party leader, um, was doing an interview. Um, he was about to start doing the interview with Peter Smith from ITV. And then they were like just standing outside Holyrood and stuff, waiting to go and do that. And some fucking dickhead passerby came up to him and started like shouting racist abuse at him. Um, the guy, Peter Smith for ITV, stood up for him and like sort of said to the guy um, Anna Sarwar has said on that I can't thank Peter Smith enough for his kindness and support he didn't have to get involved but chose not to be a bystander sadly this nonsense comes with the territory but it always helps to put politics into perspective um, and Sarwar has previously told of facing racism growing up in Glasgow 
speaking out against the racism I face was the hardest thing I've done in politics. He said, that's absolutely shocking. I'm not even going to repeat the words that he called him because it's disgusting. Like, fuck that guy. Yeah, that guy ran for the Brexit party also. That guy. And also here in the Daily Record, I don't know, like, it said that he bizarrely appeared in global pop star Harry Styles' latest video. Who did? That guy that shouted at him. All right, I okay. I don't even. I don't see anything about him. Yeah, that's weird. What am I going to name him? Because he's a tool. Um, I, I, I'm not going to get any there. Right, the 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 inquiry findings. Right, so there's one that's come out from the inquiry, the, the committee done, and one that's come out from James Hamilton QC. Um, just a wee quick thing on that. We're not going to get into it for ages. On the misleading parliament thing, Hamilton's report has said it is for the Scottish Parliament to decide whether they were in fact misled. The First Minister claims that she confined her role in these meetings to explain that she could not and would not become involved in the matter. Mr Salmon claims she did she agreed to intervene. The fact is she did not intervene. Um, the committee's version of that says the committee notes that there's a fundamental contradiction in the evidence in relation to whether at the meeting on April 2nd, 2018, the First Minister did or did not agree to intervene. The committee believed that she did in fact leave Mr Sham with the impression she would if necessary intervene. This was confirmed by Duncan Hamilton, who was at the meeting. Her written evidence is therefore an inaccurate account of what happened and she has misled the committee in this matter. Shots fired. But she's safe. She's not resigning, is, no. is what they're saying. There's a, an opinion piece on it here. Obviously, as you've all probably seen, the vote of no confidence yesterday that the Tories, the Scottish Tories put up, absolutely fucking decimated. Um, 31 votes, 27 abstentions, 65 against. So that was done. Um, but if I can just... So it's Andy Whiteman, he was a, a member of the committee. Um, he was uh, formerly a Green, now an independent. Um, he's actually moving to the, his constituency is going to be in the Lockharbor area, speaking of that paper we're just reading, by the way. Um, he was on the committee anyway, and um, we spoke about him and how he was like, funny on Twitter yesterday, because after each day, like, when Alex Salmond was there, he tweeted few. And then mm-hmm. when Nicholas Sturgeon done it, he tweeted few, part two or something. So he's funny. Um, so what he's saying is, um, although Alex Salmond was acquitted of criminal charges last March, to this day, Harassment complaints have never been properly determined due to Alex Hammond's successful legal challenge to the procedure for handling the complaints. The complaints were handled badly. The details were leaked to newspapers. They were offered no support during the criminal proceedings and their private testimony was leaked to the media. That's on the, obviously the complainants, the women. Um, he took evidence in private, had no political agenda. He ruled that she did not break the code on James Hamilton. The question remains over how Parliament should investigate matters such as this. The government's failure to respond timelessly and fully to the committee and its refusal to disclose legal advice until the last minute frustrated and compromised our work. It would have been better and more in keeping with the government's duty of accountability had it disclosed all the information at the outset with its own account of what went wrong. So, you know, like, it might not make big changes, but it's going to make other changes sort of come into effect because they really didn't handle this well with the leaks. Because, I mean, he's got a cheek anyway. The committee had a fucking leak, so... Yeah, but it's been a disaster the whole thing the handling of it is, I think it's going to see a big change in how these sort of things are handled people should be comfortable like knowing that it'd be handled in, in a fair way yeah if anything they've got a massive it's brought on a massive overhaul of the whole system I think but yeah. it should at least anyway so... yeah, um, I've got this lassie um, she started legal action against a cosmetic surgery company after her personal data, including a before and after photo, um, have been accessed in a security breach. 
Um, the article has named her. Uh, her name's Ava Spence. She's a hairdresser from Edinburgh. She had a breast augmentation at the Transform Hospital Group in Stirling in 2019, and then later found out that the company um, had been a victim of a security hack. She'd been getting scam texts and emails, and she's suing the company now. The operation went fine. She said she had no issue at all with the surgery itself, but it was a data breach and stuff like that. So, um, she's suing over her data. Uh, and another another person as well that sued her workplace. A tanning salon worker sustained serious hearing losses when bosses told her to remain at the shop as a faulty fire alarm rang for four hours. They've had to give her 200,000 quid. Hazel McDonald is her name. Um, she's from Dundee. Uh, what happened was she started her shift at 8.50 in the morning and the alarm started at that point and continued to sound till 12.55, so over four hours that she was doing that. Um, and She's a, a model as well, it says. And due to the nature of her job, she has to buy like certain hearing aids now that she's deaf, so that it goes fully in her ear and you don't see them and stuff. And mm. they cost three thousand nine hundred ninety nine pounds and need to be replaced every three years. So her workplace has had a year two hundred thousand quid to buy a lifetime supply of hearing aids. Maybe that's just been getting stuck in and getting told to wait there. The alarm will go off. That's just shocking. But like yeah. four hours. And what about the customers? Like, is it a, a, a tanning salon worker? So people must have been in like, tanning and whatever. Yeah. How do they not just it... shut the shop? Or turn it off in some way? You could, like, surely even if somebody had to drive to the shop or whatever, like, whoever had the, the alarm thing, they could have done okay. it in four hours. And a key. But it was just like, no, it'll turn it off itself. Just jump in. That's money into it. Yeah. It's just... The, the vinyl industry as well is a big boom. It says British record labels earn twice as much from vinyl sales as they did from YouTube last year, despite the fact that huge numbers of young people get their music from the video streaming platform. The top sellers on vinyl for 2020. God almighty. Number one. No, we'll do it in reverse order like the pop charts. Uh, Number 10, Ultra Mono Idols. Live at the Royal Albert Hall with Arctic Monkeys at nine. And Power Up by ACDC at eight. Greatest Hits by Queen at seven. Disco by Kylie Minogue at six. Fine Line by Harry Styles at five. Nirvana Nevermind is four. Back to Black by Amy Winehouse is three. What's the Story Morning Glory number two by Oasis, obviously. And Rumours at number one, Fleetwood Mac. There you go. That's pretty awesome. You like vinyl and so that's good that it's actually I get, like, The choice is the most popular one. It's just like, I don't know, very middle of the road. It is very middle of the road. Um, On the COVID situation, the PM, for better or for worse, Boris Johnson and Chris Whitty, have said that Britain will inevitably suffer suffer a third wave of COVID. Um, he's saying he hailed the success of the vaccine rollout as a reason to persist with the existing timetable, even if cases rise again. Um, Professor Whitty is obviously the chief medical officer for England. Um, he said that Britain would definitely see a surge of COVID-19 this year and chances of eradicating the disease were as close to zero as makes no difference. Um, uh, Boris said over the, uh, on his mistakes for the past year, Many things that we wish we'd done differently in retrospect. The failure to realise how much coronavirus could be spread by people without symptoms led to real problems last year, he said. Um, and there's an opinion piece here that the Times has went into um, saying that the like if we should worry about this third wave and let us the math sort of indicates like, that it was going to be a big problem. Um, it says the vaccines are good, but none is 100% effective. Take-up of the vaccine is an impressive 94% among over 80s in England, but that still leaves 188,000 of the most vulnerable with no protection. In mm. all, 3.4 million people over 50 have yet to receive the vaccine. In combination, these two gaps make a significant hole in our defences. Calculations suggest that exposing a third of over 50s to the virus at current vaccination levels could lead to about 40,000 deaths. 
So they're playing with fire, really, aren't they? So if they don't get this exactly right, it's going to be very bad. Yeah. Because i seen that interview also, and he just says, oh, it'll wash up on our shore. Of course it will. Yeah. Like, you know, he was so blase about it. It just mm-hmm. was really annoying. Um, on the jabs as well, we spoke last week or maybe the week before about how a whole bunch of letters had went missing inviting people to go for their mm-hmm. vaccines. That's now been addressed. Uh, now, now, now been addressed um, in, in Parliament by Nicola Sturgeon. Um, it says one in seven vaccine appointments were missed last week because of delays in delivering appointment letters. Um, the First Minister apologised to 60,000 people who missed their vaccination appointment last week but said glitches are inevitable. Um, more than 2.2 million have received at least one dose, which is nearly half the eligible Scottish population. Speaking in the, in the Parliament, she said, the vaccination programme is progressing extremely well. When we implemented a programme of this scale and at this speed, it is inevitable that there will be glitches and things that did not go as well as we want. That is that is true of the scheduling, printing and posting of letters that are associated with the programme. Um, there's an investigation going on with NHS National Service Scotland and the Royal Mail. Ruth Davidson, who's on the way out, thankfully, uh, Scottish Conservative leader, said um, the delay may have caused confusion, dismay and even distress and must not be repeated. She said, of course, there will be bumps in the road, but I cannot agree with the First Minister's description of 60,000 missed appointments as glitches. It is important to ensure there is no repeat. I believe so. Um, we just got a comment there. We'll play it. Yes, please. And I do say on the headline today of Boris Johnson saying that capitalism and greed, in quotation marks, is what has been the successful aspects of uh, combating coronavirus. Listen, everything in this world, every problem that is in this world is because of capitalism. Because we live in a capitalist society, everything is the product of capitalism. So we'll just dedicate that one to Boris there. Fuck it. Guy's thick as fuck, mate. Thick as fuck. More people would die because we don't plan for things. We don't plan ahead because it doesn't make money. And if it don't make money, we don't invest. Yeah, I agree with that. On the vaccine as well, just the effort Freddie was saying, um, more than four in five people who were hesitant about getting a coronavirus jab in December say they would actually now get the vaccine or have been already. The study was of um, 46,000 people in England and Wales, not Scotland, just England and Wales, showed that the fall in the vaccine reluctance was consistent across all ethnic groups, according to researchers at University College London. They found that 87% of white British adults who were hesitant about the vaccine in December had changed their minds by the last month. Um, the figure was 88% in black adults and 90% in adults from a South Asian background. This shift is, con- is consistent across all so- so- uh, social uh, economic levels. Um, and there's an article in here saying as well that working from home has made Scottish people more productive and less likely to take sick days. But I think we spoke about it as well, didn't we? Like, yeah. I was much less likely to a sick day because of this, because like, things that you would say, oh, I kind of go to work, I've hurt myself or I feel sick, or like, if you're hungover for a weekend or whatever, that's not happening during COVID, so you're merely yeah. like, just day because you can sit in the living room or whatever. And you, there's no excuse for snow days or anything like that either? I, no, there's no. Um, I'm seeing just so many things now saying like so many workplaces are going to implement working from home like full time going forward. I think that would be a really good idea. Like, I much prefer like my husband working from home because like I can see him throughout the day. I can make sure he has a lunch and stuff. Like, he's like away and I need to like make sure he's eating and like be on top of his situation. But I can like bring him wee juices and like make him a wee lunch and stuff and yeah, know that he's all right. And see the last year like I've got like a few autoimmune diseases and I'm type one diabetic. So I was always like if I had a wee bug or something, it would really floor me for ages. But for the yeah. past year, I've not had anything. I've been in, like, absolutely perfect health. And that just shows you how many wee bugs you pick up, just, like, what was yeah. the place. 
also like, see with the working from home with mm. the idea that he can just get up and just be able to vent to someone that he can trust like, like you know what I mean like, the uh, idea that he can come in and be like especially ah. just now because like because of the work that he does and stuff like that like some days are just hard days and like having that mm-hmm. option to be like I'm struggling I'm under this pressure and all that sort of stuff just having somebody there like I think it's good for him and Speaking of jobs, yeah. Freddie's going to be annoyed. We're going to talk about Royals again. Prince Harry has got a new job. I I seen this. I, I was actually I've actually got a whole bit on it too. Um, just to fill you guys in, he's going to be the chief impact officer at a San Francisco-based company called Better Up. Um, Better Up has not released details of how much Harry's going to earn, but an HR consultant, um, Lars Schmidt. Um, founder, author, and host of the podcast Redefining HR said that the Duke's total salary and benefits package would not be a small number. I fucking bet it won't. Better Up was founded in 2013 and provides mobile phone based professional coaching and counselling and mentorship. Its website says it has a network of more than 2,000 coaches working in 49 languages across 66 countries. So it's a mental health thing. So he's going to be yeah. there finding about and, and talking about his stress and whatever he's going to fucking talk about. I've Him that doesn't seen... want a public life, that one. I've seen I've seen ads for it, where it pretty much is, Ash, is text therapy. Like, you'd be like, oh, I'm not feeling well, and then a call centre of people... But how is he qualified for that? He's... That he's... Fucking he's hell. A, he's a figurehead. We're like, he's been sad. Look at him. And he'd be like, well, I've been to therapy and this is hell. It just annoys me because so many people out there have gone and going and getting like, their masters and PhDs and done all this study and like therapy and mental health and like, things like that and these people aren't getting those opportunities and he just went like he came out of the right vagina and gets this job yeah. I, I think I'm so annoyed by it I'm, I'm going to move after this because I'm just going to get annoyed again um, Vladimir Putin got his vaccine actually but he refused to get photographed or be on video getting it like similar to other world leaders um, Dmitry Peskov the Kremlin spokesman has said regarding vaccinations on camera he has never been a supporter he doesn't like it which I actually took as um, I think he's frightened of Jags and he probably cried and didn't want to be seen crying on the telly oh ask, please don't say that out loud because we'll get done by the Russians we'll get poisoned or something are you frightened Vlad were you scared getting <laughs> your wee Jag did you get a lollipop and a wee plaster you big Nancy boy <laughs> If, if we get, like, that Novachok stuff, both of us are just lying hairless. And I, no, <laughs> or two well. useless idiots dead. Um, <laughs> said as well... Oh, hold on, we've got a comment. I'll do that first. It's the Russians. Oh, I'm just <laughs> doing my amp work out there. So, <laughs> I'm a bit out of breath, but... There's always going to be guys like Harry getting a job like that because there's a glass ceiling for working-class people. We will only get to a certain mark because it's set in place by the... Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. How is it being? By the 1% establishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what was I say? Like, there's so many guys, part of the NHS and charities, that get placed there on 100 grand because they went to fucking Eton or they've got a famous mm-hmm. dad. So, Shocking. I don't know. Working hard doesn't get you anywhere in this world. You've got to make your own fucking luck. Yep. you got to take what you want and do what you want because they're the fuckers that make the rules and they say you work hard, you'll have a good life, but you fucking won't. Arseholes get placed in jobs all the time. Uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know, innit? Uh, but pretty much, he's the fucking Ronald McDonald of the place. He's going to just be the face of it and we've got, hey, look, we've got a prince here mm. and just pay money for just being able to show him off. Like, he's not going to be going saying, oh, I, I lost my mammy and I feel bad. I mm-hmm. hope you feel good too. 
Like it's it's not going to be that. It's not. It's not going to be ninety five for him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, speaking of jobs as well, the Office for National Statistics um has said that uh the jobless rate uh in Scotland has um lowered. I don't know how that's happened. Um, it was four point two percent last year. And it's just a small drop. It seems like it's four point one percent now. Um, it said 114,000 Scots were looking for employment in the November to January period, and that's a drop of 4,000 people from the previous data. So it's actually went down during COVID. That's like kind of crazy to me. I've I've seen that also, and they were on that same thing. They were talking about how there were 368 jobs lost in the hospitality section. 368. Three, oh, 368,000. Oh, three, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. On jobs as well. Um. Uh, there was a tribunal because a civil servant worker named Wendy Williams, she is one of five HM inspectors of police and was cited by Matthew Parr in his case against the government for race and sex discrimination. Parr told an employment tribunal that he was paid £52,000 less than Wendy Williams to do the same job and claimed that the sole reason for the difference was that he was a white male. Um, the, the tribunal has found that she, Wendy Williams, had a better salary because she's a black woman which is tables turning, if ever I've heard it. And they're spitting the dummy out because of it? Oh, well, this white man now spitting the dummy out now because a woman's getting paid more than him. That's not right. If she's, I mean, if she's better than I mean, it, like... Yeah, I know. Like, um, and another thing as well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but that Highgate school, that private school, um, the school is one of the... They've got a dossier now of 170 testimonies from se- of sexual abuse and harassment um, amid calls of, of, uh, of upholding a rape culture at the school. I'm sorry if that word's offensive to anybody, sorry, but, you know, but um, a, a rape culture is what they're calling it. The school which charges fees of £21,600 a year as a victim of sexual assault to sign a non-disclosure agreement, according to one, dis- one student, and was allegedly told by a staff member to consider, quote, how legal ramifications for his actions might hurt his feelings. Shocking. Fucking hell. And that's um, like a sorry, just going. No, sorry, it's just like it's it, this sort of thing, like you know, and it's like it almost would I think discourage people from like going to these sort of things because yeah, like if if you're going to go there as a student and know that you know if even if in the very worst case scenario, I mean, God forbid something did happen to you, but the place that you're paying all this money to protect you and to live at and be safe, it's a boarding yeah. school, um, in, in a private school. And they're not going to protect you, and even when the day find out, they're going to probably like try and shield the person that done it for you, and then or and get you to sign a non disclosure agreement, and they'll go yeah. like talk about it and stuff like that when something awful's happened to you. And that's like in school, it's formative years, not that it's ever right with yeah. age, but like that's shocking to me. And that school should be like not allowed to run anymore. I don't like it. Yeah, I just wanted to know if it was a boarding school, but that's mental. Yeah. And um, there's a wee story about a doggy here, and we like doggies. A leading yeah. breeder of old English sheepdogs has been told to compensate a buyer after a puppy required ex- expensive medical treatment due to a genetic condition. Um, her name is Annette Aldridge Pendragon. She's been breeding sheepdogs for more than 25 years and has shown at Crufts as well. Um, she sold an eight-week-old um, girl dog to this lady, Judy, for a thousand quid. Um, and she, the woman that bought it is an antique dealer and then, then spent 30, more than £30,000 um, after Lady Wee Dog required a hip replacement because of this genetic condition. I thought like um, breeders and stuff had to get like genetic testing and stuff done and like yeah. l- 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 they like, you know, like sort of rehome dogs. 
Mm-hmm. Like you would think that was the first thing you do. Thirty thousand quid in vet bills, like that's crazy. I've also got a a dog story too. Oh, do you? Yeah, um, dogs now, like because of the thing that's going up one hundred seventy percent more, like theft and stuff. One of the things that people are asking to do is there a new app called Snout Scan, which is scanning your dog's nose because their nose, because of the wee lines on it, is just like a thumb, like a a fingerprint. So what they want you to do is to scan it, so you would always have a note of where who your dog is. Like so, if they say that's not your dog, you'd be like, look, you'd oh, scan yeah. its nose and go, that's mine. Snout scan. Snout scan. Yeah. Um, there's been a proposal here, a plan to charge a 20 pence deposit on drinks, bottles and cans to try and reduce litter and encourage re- recycling. Um, they're trying to do it, but they're delaying it now until the end of 2024. Um, but the conservation charities don't are now worried that it might never happen. Um, the reason for this, it says 14 billion plastic drink bottles and 9 billion cans and 5 billion glass bottles are bought each year in Britain. About three quarters are recycled and the rest incinerated, sent to landfill or dropped as litter. Of them, 9 million cans, probably most of them is from me, the Coke Zero. Yeah. To be honest, we would love that in this house. Like, think of like, how happy Bryce used to be, like bringing away I used to bring one America, glass checks. We would... We would like save it all up for ages, and it was good. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if this was even legal. My dad done, but used to work in this like sort of supply company, and they would get oxygen canisters back in that were like empty, and they'd have to just throw them in the bin and stuff. It's like just replace them, and he would bring them home, and we would take them to recycling thing and get money for it. Nah, you're just getting the the metal done. I think but... we got a PlayStation, like a PS2 one. For the money <laughs> we got for that. Uh, we we've copper before, but I glass. Remember bars used to have twenty pence deposits and you would bring uh, all them back. That was great. That was a um, good time. I've got like a wee weird story here. Um the former Labour MP Tom Harris, it was talking about when he was first elected and he was like at the count and stuff and he saw a spoilt ballot that the returning officer had, but like at the count, um the voter had written wanker next to all oh, Tom Harris's rival's name, but nothing next to his. And Tom Harris said, Since I was clearly the good guy, I should be awarded this vote, which I don't know if it's a true the part <laughs> reference. Um, the turning officer saw the logic but pointed out that the one other candidate was also unblemished. Harris's Lib Dem comment said it would be wrong to encourage bad language by counting it. Um, so the voter was right about him. <laughs> Tom Harris, it's funny. And I've got another shocking story. And the Times has had to tiptoe around the bushes trying to do this, right? So I'll read to you what it says. In August last year, Mark Andrews was heralded for his people-centred approach when he was appointed to the role of Deputy Chief Fire Officer that approach appears to have been his undoing after he was fined £200 yesterday for breaking lockdown rules to visit his former secretary. Andrews, 49, who is married with two children, is deputy chief at West Sussex Fire and Rescue. He drove 20 miles to see Anna Cornwell, 34, who was appointed as his secretary last April. Why would he be visiting Anna, do you think? Why would the 49-year-old married man with two children be visiting his 34-year-old ex-secretary? She might have a stapler. She <laughs> certainly buying she's, something. Yeah, she. Who knows? Don't do let's not Freddy, jump to conclusions. Why would the, Freddie, why do you think the fire chief would be visiting the secretary? What do you think was going on in that visit? You know, just catching up with work. Work, stationery. Let's let's not jump to conclusions. Like the secretary's there, and he's just getting. Let's see if this is the Russians. <laughs> Imagine being outed in the media, you shagging your secretary. This man has had a bad time. Plus getting a fine for breaking COVID rules.
I'm going to need to have to see the secretary to see how hot she is before I make a decision. Right, I'll send you a pic of what you're going to think, Chris. Right, she's 34 and he's 59, so she is younger. Do you know what's sad as well? I'm sending this to Chris Roger. I can't share it with you guys, unfortunately, at large, but they've put a picture of Mark Andrews and then they've put a picture of the ex-secretary next to a picture of his wife, like, so you can compare. Uh, contrast and compare. Uh, I can see this. Good. I don't... Speaking of being outed by the media, um, the, the the Scottish police are now a bit frightened of the media. So following on this, the whole thing with the Rangers street party, is the 7th of March, we were talking about and all that, Scottish police have been told to avoid heavy-handed crowd control tactics in case footage ends up being exploited by, quote, hostile foreign media such as RT. John Scott, QC, chairman of the Independent Advisory Group on Policing during the coronavirus crisis, said Police Scotland's enforcement of the illegal Rangers street party was proportionate and compatible with the law and human rights. So basically they're fearing that the media or social media is going to out them something someday so it's, and say behave. So it's not like, don't be a dick, because that's not Aye, right. It's just, don't be a dick, a dick if people find film. out. Hmm. Aye. Um, and I think single people face everyday discrimination by being forced to work unsociable hours and penalised for having no children, an academic has claimed. Amid calls for single people to become le- a legally protected minority, um, the research has shown that single people pay a financial penalty of more than £2,000 a year with higher costs for holidays, insurance, council tax and gym membership. People who are not in relationships claim they are expected to work longer and cover more unsocial hours than colleagues. And like I would agree with that because um, yeah. like I don't have children and so there's like times like when my husband's like at work um, over Christmas time or over the summer where people put the argument of, oh, I've got children, I want to see them on Christmas morning or, you know, I want to keep my kids away over summer and stuff. And because like, like, even though he's married, even though he's not getting any, because so, he's not got children, they think, oh, well, you don't want to spend Christmas morning with your wife, like, so you should work. Like, it's, yeah. I've seen so many workplaces that if you're single, you're the one expected to do it and let people with the kids have the... The best days are. He won't get anything in the sum through the summer holidays at all. Like he's no, out the whole time. No, there's definitely no that he's not getting anything. Um, comment. I'll play it. I'm sorry. I know we've moved past the affair thing, but I've just looked at the picture and I'm a hundred percent on the guy's side. Chris Roger. <laughs> so you would visit your secretary as well, Chris. <laughs> Twenty miles. She might be a really good typist. That's all I'm saying too. Since um, Chris Rogers on here, I've got something that might spike his interest. Four cast iron sculptures by Sir Anthony Gormley that have been likened to sex toys will be removed after the artist complained they should not be lying flat. The sculptures were installed on Aldborough Beach in Suffolk by their owner, Caroline Wiseman, who's a local art collector. Um, now the unauthorised residency has come to an end after Gormley said the installation was misconceived. Um, he said that it could, the other artists could create works on the beach in retaliation after Gormley's criticism. She had decided to display the artworks four bollards titled Oval, Peg, Snowman and Penis on the beach as an art installation for the cultural benefit of the town. However, she did admit to failing to get McLaren permission to do this to the, from the East Suffolk Council. Um, a letter from Bryony McLaren, a representative of the artist, said the installation was not authorised and complained sculptures had been incorrectly labelled. Um, yeah, that's funny. It's, so they, they, they should have been, they were designed by this Anthony Gormley stand upright rather than lie horizontally, the way she had put it. The change of orientation and configuration of the bollards completely compromises their purpose as a piece of street furniture and the artist's original intention behind the work. One of them's called Penis. What were your intentions yeah. behind the work, Anthony? Let's be honest. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Can I, can I talk about Lemmy? Yes. So, I, Lemmy from Motorhead, it came out that one of his pals 
was delivered bullet with Lemmy's ashes in it. So Lemmy got all his ashes for his friends, and he got them put in a big silver bullet with his name uh, scribed on the side, and he handed them out because so he could be close to them. A big bullet. That's a legendary move. Yeah, it's fully expected by Lemmy. Like, we yeah. watched that. We watched the funeral, did we not? See, when I watched the funeral, my heart was breaking, but like, in a way I wanted to laugh just because like, all these old goths and like metalheads and stuff just like all showing up in their leather jackets, and it was good. Do you not remember that he had a flower display of a mirror with a yeah. line across it? Aye, he had like, a line of coke on it, aye. <laughs> Excellent. Um, speaking of drugs, nearly 20,000 people with conditions such as MS and arthritis are using a cannabis card that allows them to escape arrest if they are stopped by the police. The organisers of the scheme say that 96% of cardholders caught with cannabis have been allowed to keep the drug and go their way, even when they do not have a prescription. The National Police Chief Council, which represents chief constables, um, have said the CAN card is available to anyone with an illness that qualifies for a medical cannabis prescription. Applicants do not need to have had a prescription, but the organisers will approach their GP to confirm that they've had a qualifying condition. The card costs £20, which covers running costs, and as many as 3.5 million people are eligible for the card which identifies the holder as a registered medical cannabis patient. So I wonder if you'd be... You probably would be eligible for that because of your pain conditions. Um, yeah, Crohn's. I could, um, I could hit that So I'd probably be able to get one as well. Yeah. I would do if the weed in this country get better because at the present time, the quality is not quite there. You don't want cheese. I don't want cheese. No. It'd be um, good to have also. I've got a stupid story that you'll probably enjoy. All right. Um, Italy is celebrating after growing the world's heaviest cherry. How it's, heavy um, is this cherry? It was the size of a substantial plum, they're saying. <laughs> the previous <laughs> the previous record was from a grower from Chile. It was 23.93 grams, but this new one is 26.45 grams, which is, is pretty fucking big. Um, a Guinness World Records say they're uh, proud of the achievement. Guinness World Records said, we have um, devoted more than 10 years of research and development to this family of cherries. And they're There's... going to get this wee award for the heaviest cherry in the world. It looks like know... clunker. It looks kind of brown. Yeah. Do you think this cherry has been weighed with seed or without seed also? It'll be Isn't with it? seed, I would think. And yeah. I how much it's going to be seed. There could be very little flesh in it. Like, yeah. Be... Because that um, seed... Sorry. Um, oh, you go. I was like, that seed would now then grow a big cherry also, would it not? Because of the size of it. That's what I thought. Oh, right, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I've got a story about a fucking subhuman scum piece of bastard. Um, this man called Pierre Menes, who's apparently um, a football pundit. Um, there was another oh, film was made by um, uh, Marie Portolano, by the way, I should say, who, uh, who's a sports journalist. And this is in France, this is happening. But this guy, Pierre Menez, he's 57, best known football pundit for Canal Plus or something. So she was questioning him about an incident in 2016 when he lifted a woman's skirt and grabbed her bottom. Um, he, claiming, was unable to recall the event, but said that he would be prepared to do the same thing again. And when Marie Portolano said that she had felt humiliated, he said, I'm sorry, but you have to take people as they are. If we can no longer tease a bin because she's a bin, it's intolerable. <laughs> I mean, hell. what the fuck? Um, it's the, the, there's controversy as well escalated because there's a video that emerged showing Menez forcing kisses upon two female presenters in 2011 and 2016, and you want to see this guy. Uh, is he just... A creature. Is he just, is he just like the, the actual human equivalent of Pepe Le Pew? He's just... 
I mean, you can even say he's got four chins because it just looks like one big giant chin under the main one. But he's, yeah. he's a, a disgusting looking creature. But fuck him, that's not nice. No. Uh, oh, comment. If you can't treat a bint like a bint, like I hate the guy, but it, it's it's a saying that's going to be a, I, I'm going to struggle not to use in my day to day life now. I wonder who Chris Roger would use that that saying about still to come. Yeah. Um, I've got a nasty story you're going to like, Brownie, because being a shoe addict that you are. Yeah. Um, a clip from a sermon appearing on an Instagram page. Preachers in sneakers posted a close-up of a pastor's shoes that pointed out they were by Balenciaga and cost $975. Preachers in sneakers is the work of Ben Kirby from Dallas, Texas, who began highlighting the price of outfits worn by evangelical preachers after watching a YouTube video from Elevation Worship, a mega church in Charlotte, North Carolina. The pastor, Stephen Furtick, seemed to be in a different designer outfit every Sunday and the band on stage seemed to be lavishly dressed. The singer was wearing an $800 pair of Yeezy 750s and Kirby says, how do I get on the payroll? Um, Pastor Judah Smith in Seattle appeared to be wearing a Gucci jacket worth $3,600 um, and Pastor John Gray had a Louis Vuitton jacket that was just shy of 10 grand and Nike Air Yeezy 2 Red Octobers, which cost $5,600 at the time. So preachers in sneakers. I'm, I'm on it. Out and, are right you? Now. Yeah. <laughs> Brownie. Oh, wait, they are... Those those Yeezys though are like go for like fifteen grand there. That's crazy. Like, there are a lot there. But and it was just kept them as dead stock. That's shoe lingo, the anal. Shoe lingo. Living with a sneakerhead using words like dead stock. Um so, can I move on or you want to talk more about shoes? No, I d I don't think it would be nice on my Sunday sneakerhead day. I will talk about sneakers on Sunday or maybe on Saturday night chat chat. Yeah. Um, some fucking wild thing about Facebook here, right? Facebook's bullying and harassment policy explicitly allows for, quote, public figures to be targeted in ways otherwise banned on the site for, like, a, a private person, including calls for their death, according to an internal moderation guidelines leaked to The Guardian. Public figures are defined by Facebook to include people who, whose claim to fame may be simply a large social media following or in frequent coverage in local newspapers. They are considered to be permissible targets of certain types of abuse because we want to allow discussion, which often includes critical commentary of people who are featured in the news. So what they can just come out and say, like, oh, I want to kill this person, that's not acceptable. No, I, I, think, I think what they're meaning, right, like, let's take, for instance, if I said on Facebook, I want to kill Ashley Keenan Bryce, yeah. that would be taken as, no, you can't be saying that. But if I said, hey, I want to kill Scotty Too Hottie, it could be seen as, oh, he's famous, like, it's, he's probably not got a chance to go. That was a very subtle put-down he gave me there. But I, I do not. I, I, We've almost murdered each other, and I would never do that. I was putting you as an example. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, the British Red Cross are calling for more benches, public toilets, and street lighting to encourage lonely people to start mixing socially once lockdown has ended. MPs and peers are urging as well. Action is needed to tackle a loneliness emergency which the COVID pandemic has exacerbated by denying people contact with family and friends. Public toilets. They want people <laughs> to be socialising in public toilets. What kind of socialisation are they expecting in there? Because I'll tell you exactly what they're going to fucking get. Let's listen to this comment. <laughs> oh! What happened? Where'd you go? Oh, 
up, Chris, whatever that was that you said you need to say it again because I don't know what we've done, but the comments are where. I've got Oh, Chris Roger was going to say. Can you tell us again? Um, while we were waiting for Chris Roger to get back to us, we've talked about this before as well, but because of the pandemic, like delaying other um other sort of medical procedures and stuff like that. The pandemic is casting a wide shadow over the nation's health, according to new data, revealing a dramatic drop in urgent referrals for suspected cancers in England. Um, so 34% of people, um, 34% fall in people referred for suspected lung cancer since last March. 9% fewer patients started treatment. 35% is the proportion of people awaiting a hip replacement who says they cannot bear to survive in their current state. Um, the, the, suspect, the referrals for suspected lung cancer fell by 34% between March 2020 and January 2021 compared to the same period the year previously, adjusted for working days, obviously. Um, that equates to 20,300 fewer people being urgently referred. So, like, that's crazy. Like, my yeah. big concern with this cold COVID, like, as, bad, as bad as COVID is, my biggest concern with it is when we come out of this, people that don't have routine things picked up. Like, for me personally, like, I've not been for like, a pap smear or any stuff, and how other many people are in that position that they've not done routine things or had like a general checkup where quite often, because like, I wrote that article for The Sun and that girl um, that had cervical cancer, that was just picked up from a routine smear. So how many people are, are missing out on stuff like that on just like sort of like annual checkups and stuff that when it comes out of this? Because that girl I interviewed for The Sun, she said if I'd have done that a year later, like if it had happened now during the pandemic, maybe she wouldn't have been as lucky and been able to survive. It's really That's scary. No, really, really frightening. But even it goes down to little things because I'm waiting to see a uh... A physical therapist, and mm-hmm. I, I've not even been. I've been told to wait on that. Um, I've got a, a thing about this wee lassie moaning about the environment, but we'll listen to this comment first, and then we'll go on to this wee baby great Sunberg. Mm-hmm. You want to play it, Willa? Oh, you do it. Right, okay. I was literally just saying I want Will to apologise to Scotty too haughty. He's <laughs> never done anything wrong. Are you going to apologise? Are you prepared to apologise? To Scotty too haughty? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, Scotty, that you are too haughty and you were the first name that I thought of. Um, well, a, this isn't even news, but there's an advert in, in a paper for Aldi and they've got like, Easter eggs in it and there's one that's like a beehive-shaped Easter egg with wee bees on it and there's like, wee bee, um, like, honeycomb-shaped truffles in it and it's 14 at 9 It looks really cute. So, Chris Roger, if you need an Easter egg for your missus, this is a really, really cute one. You could buy it for me if you want brownie. No problem. A beehive egg and truffles, especially selected exquisite egg. It said so. It's a sort of like Aldi finest, if that's a thing. Because you usually you usually pick eggs. I can't remember what you got last year. I think you got a giant galaxy. Well, I don't know. I remember last was it last year or the year before that my mum dad bought me like a five kilogram lint bunny or something. No, I remember like, that. A big giant giant bunny. And um, but I was going to moan about this wee baby get a sunburn thing. A ten year old Sky Neville from Wales. Um, has been writing to like the magazine companies because you know how you see them shitty ch- ch- kids magazines with like the wee toys in the front or like you know yeah. wee, bit, wee bits of crap she's written to them saying that she had a squishy things and a skeleton pen that you couldn't write with it's a lot of plastic rubbish Um, and she's like saying they're just one use toys there's a quote from her here Um, and it's this child did not say this I am very concerned by the amount of plastic that is still being produced thrown away and polluting our oceans and environment that is why I want the magazine and comic publishers to really care about the environment and stop giving away plastic toys. I particularly like horrible histories, but I don't want or need the cheap plastic toys which are either played with for a few minutes 
or break on the first use and then thrown away. Any gifts that the magazine offers should be sustainable and ethical so we can protect our planet for us and for future generations. That child did not say that. Yeah, here, little one. Let her go. Oh, quite smart. A child doesn't want toys. No, not the ones from the magazine. Well, I did buy WWE magazine to get the toys with it, but that's another, another story. You still do? Yeah, it's usually badges. Um, as well here talking about um sort of removing people from the UK, sort of deporting people that have immigrated here. The cost of removing people from the UK by charter flight during the last three months of 2020 was more than £13,000 a person, more than 100 times higher than the average cost of a ticket on a scheduled flight and an 11.5 increase on last year. This came from a Freedom of Information um, request obtained by the organisation called No Deportations. Um, it stated that between October and December 2020, the Home Office spent £4.3 million pounds deporting 322 people on 23 chartered flights. Many of the 23 chartered flights the Home Office used in that period had fewer than 10 passengers on board. That's absolutely astounding. So what did you do? Because that sounds like they should be all getting sent first class. Well, that's what it's basically is. They've got a, a private plane and that's what they're using to deport them. Um, I guess it's because of COVID and stuff like that. It's maybe like yeah. with normal rules, but aye, that's what they're using. But they Speaking don't of have... other stupid Tory measures, a celebration of British weather and the largest grow-your-own-food project of modern times will be among the events for a festival of creativity aimed at bringing the UK together in 2022. Organisers of the £120 million festival, commissioned by Theresa May's government and supported by Boris Johnson, announced 10 teams who had successfully pitched ideas. Um, they're calling it a Festival of Brexit, is the unofficial title yes. of here. How does that sound? A celebration of fucking British weather and grow your the largest grow your own food. So we're going to have like big giant fucking cucumbers and like look at the rain, isn't it lovely? Yeah, Dear the God. rain lets us have big toys. They're just hiding on to things, aren't they? Like, Honestly, the toys have done some shit, but that's fucking taking the cake. Everyone have some rhubarb. Right, it's ridiculous. 120 million quid to show off like a big fucking cumquat or something. Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? What's costing 120 million quid? Like, are they like fucking like genetically engineering them or something? I just don't know. Like, due to Brexit, they're actually allowed to do that now. I'm just reading my notes, see if I've forgotten the day. I don't think I have. I've seen most of the stuff. Um, oh, I forgot to say thanks to Everclyde Boiler Company because they've sponsored us yet again. We appreciate them very much. So thanks to them for um, sponsoring us. And we, well, I interviewed Stuart McMillan, our local MSP today, and um, asked him a series of questions that the people of Everclyde are dying to know, such as, have you ever seen Catman? Have you ever got on the train at Greenock West but told the ticket and threat to go on Greenock Central to get a cheaper ticket? Questions like that that you all want to know. You can see a teaser of it on most of the Clyde Instagram and it will be coming soon for your viewing pleasure. Um, and it's now like one year official of lockdown. That was a weird day last year. I think we I, were out on. It was a weird day. Because I had yeah. ended up, um, I had been sent back to work earlier because you know I've got a ridiculous cough anyway, just naturally because of my asthma and that. But my work was getting really nervous, so like I think it was like three or four days before the lockdown. They were like, "You're going to, need to leave. We can't have you in here coughing. It's making <laughs> nervous." And so sent me home. So I was at home for like a week or so, and then the stay at home order sort of came, the lockdown thing. Um, and that's when they started delivering PCs, and I had they fucking work, which is unfortunate. I remember that. That was a. So I've got one last story also that I did. Give want it to, to us, Brownie. Give, Give it, it to, to us, Brownie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A pet to a couple try to leave India or go through an Indian airport, but what they did was they shaved their heads and put 
what turns out to be five five hundred ninety six or five hundred and ninety five grams of gold plus cash what? under fake How fake wig. <laughs> it was a big hollowed out under giant wig. wig. Yeah. Maybe that's what Charles Fletcher's doing with his crazy hair at the moment. His beautiful barnet. So they both get I'm caught. I must have been really were... heavy. So yeah. how much did you say it, uh, how much it was? There, there were two, right? Uh-huh. One had 698 grams plus cash and the other one had 595 grams My plus God. cash. Oh, That's mental. Oh, oh, I just yeah. seen the bottom there. It was also found to have three bundles of gold, including uh, of six hundred and twenty-two grams, hidden in his rectum. And he's re- right. Why did you leave? Actually, we're going to have to go. And on that note, back to the studio <laughs> and finish. Like this podcast is an actual disaster. It's great though. It's <sighs> just I wanted to leave that to the end because there, there no, there, you can't go on and talk about like politics or anything after that it's just no that's that's just the end of that i'm just checking yeah. to make sure i've not missed in do i get a comment all right a couple of years ago a guy tried to get through i think it was an american airport with a kilo quick cocaine on the top of his head and he just put like a wig on the top um and he got suspicious because his hair looked so high almost like kind of like like slight beehive kind of s thing, and they just went that wig. Then yeah, they just took it off, and it was just not even disguised, just a kilo just sitting on the top of the seat. Oh my god! Yeah. It's ingenious. So I know drag queens like use like their wigs to keep um, like joints and stuff in, or like, a wee a wee bit of coke or something. Like that. That's an ingenious thing sticking your hair. Yeah, that's how you do it, big giant. But the, the wig looks bad though. It was. Like, I'll send you a photo of the wig. Like, it, it it looks like uh, Roy Orbison's hair. Like, him and his wife had... wigs by vanity. Yeah. Him and his wife both had the same wig, so could you imagine these two people the coming through? The same wig? The same wig. Shut style... up. <laughs> well, we've got another comment. Two Roy Orbison-looking motherfuckers. I know that some drag queens actually use something called a bump, to uh, give the back of their heads a little bit more elevation when they're wearing big wigs. And in this case, I guess it would be a bump in both senses, eh? <laughs> a bump and a bump. It's creative. Bump and bump, yeah. That's how it's I done. I'll take a picture of this thing and I'll put it on most of the clay Um But we're going to bounce now. We have to go to Tesco and get something for tea and move on up with our life. Um, but we'll be back. We're, we're going to do Friday night or we're going to do Saturday night? Oh... We're not talking to anyone on Friday. Saturday's our usual night. We could do both if uh, you want. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Friday, but if we don't show up, we'll be here for Saturday night shit chat with you and with Sunday brunch again. So um, we'll head off. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Clay Boiler Company for sponsoring us. Thanks for all our um, contributions. We love you so much. It's always a pleasure, and we'll see you when we see you. Bye. Bye.